Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of In No Hurry. I am your host, Colt Douglas Claiborne. So happy to be back with you guys for the first episode of 2021. Happy New Year. I hope you all had a great New Year celebration. And as I mentioned last week, I love a new year. I love thinking about my goals and plans that I have for the upcoming year. And I hope you guys have already started to plan out some of those for yourself this year. I think it's always a great exercise to do. I'm not a big resolutions guy, but I am a very big goals guy. I love setting goals and plans for the upcoming year. I think every year, one of our goals as Christians is obviously to live a life that is as closely aligned to Jesus as possible. And that is the subject of my conversation this week with Elijah Bowling. He is the author of a new book that just came out called The Jesus Life, Living the Best Life Jesus Has for You. And obviously, living a life that looks like Jesus is the goal of every Christian. It's not something that we always do particularly well or really kind of have the blueprint for. And this book doesn't solve all the issues, nor does it claim to, but Elijah has some ideas on what that looks like and how we can model our life after Jesus. So I think this is a very timely conversation. It's one that we can revisit really at any point of our Christian walk. So I think it's a good one for us to start 2021 off with. His book just came out on January 1st. You can find it on Amazon or on his website, and he'll kind of get into all that toward the end of the show. But Definitely invite you to check out his book, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Elijah Bowling. Elijah, I've been excited to talk to you just uh, a lot from a creative standpoint. We were just talking a minute ago before we recorded um, just about creativity and that kind of stuff, but I guess welcome to the show and give us kind of a, a little bit of a, a backstory on, on who you are as a, as a person and also as a creator. All right. Awesome. Well, Hi, it is it is awesome to be here on the show. I've been looking forward to this ever since we um, sort of came up with the idea. And um, yeah, I'm Elijah, and um, I am an influencer and a creator and an innovator. That's, I guess, how I describe myself. Um, and that sort of is a those three things: influence, creativity, and innovation those are a singular experience for me. It's not three separate things. It's they're married to each other in a way. Um, and I, long story short, I, I grew up in a, um, in a faith-based home. Um, my parents, they got married. My dad was a Marine. My mom was like a professional musician and vocalist. Um, they were actually a pretty unlikely couple. Um, they had, they had some, uh, conflicting personalities, but opposites attract, I guess. Um, and they got, they got married and they actually had 10 children. So I'm one of 10 children. I'm the oldest son of, of 10 children. Um, and you know, they, there was, um, there was a, Jesus and my mom and a Jesus and my dad before there was ever uh, my mom and my dad. In other words, they had their relationships with Jesus um, and that had to happen before they could get married. So Jesus really has been the center of their marriage and therefore it's the center of our family and the center of our home. For sure. So I assume you and your siblings all sort of grew up in the church then? We, I grew up in the, in the church environment. Um, 
and you know being as we had a had a larger family you know we were known as a as a ministry family we were evangelists my parents were traveling evangelists and we weren't like rich or anything living in a mansion with a big home um it's it's hard to raise a lot of children especially from the small town where we were from so um and traveling a lot we just we made a we we made it work in a lot of ways and yeah that was something i wanted to ask like what did that look like with 10 siblings and your family kind of just rolling into church how how did this look for you guys week to week my my dad was a preacher he did all the preaching right my mom she played the piano and led worship. Um, and then my older sister, Flo, she was the vocalist. She was the one who sings up on the stage and whatnot. So those three are on stage doing ministry. I'm the boy on the front row trying to behave and make sure I don't get a spanking <laughs> after church for something crazy. So I like I, I grew up and I wasn't much of the um, I just that just ministry, that kind of church life, whatever, wasn't really my thing. I. I met God in a very interesting way, in a very, very unique, interesting way. And I'm, and I'm thankful for it. I didn't meet him through a Sunday school teacher. I didn't meet him through a church. I didn't meet him through a church gathering or through worship or anything like that. Um, when I was really, really, really small, when I was, when I was an infant, I believe I, I had some hearing issues. I wasn't able to hear too clearly. So there was a good period of, of my infancy. I don't exactly know how long it was my infancy where I couldn't really hear, which means I couldn't really consume content other than visual content. There was no verbatim kind of no words, no oral content that I was consuming as, as a child really for a while there. Um, And then my parents, they, they took me to the, to the doctor and they ended up putting tubes in my ears and whatnot. And it opened up my hearing. By that point, I had gone a little bit of time without hearing, um, which it's very crazy to me because this is, and God really speaks. He showed me this, that um, I'm a very visual person and the very, that kind of makes sense because when I was young, the only way I could consume anything was yeah. visually yeah. for a little bit there. Um, and then when I was, when he enabled me to hear after the procedure and whatnot, my, my, I think my ear tubes were just a little too um, congested or whatever. So I, I got the tubes put in my ears when I was little. And then um, I had watched a few things on TV by this time. Um, but when I was younger and I was getting to the age of, you know, learning to read and learning, I was getting into the school age and whatnot. I had no, I guess, no like knowledge of phonics, letters, words, vowels, any, all that, that's just, I didn't know anything about that. Um, And before there was a school book before uh, my mom taught me anything before, before anyone taught me anything, my mom, she had followed the Lord's leading. She she had bought my older sister and she got me, you know, like a beginner's Bible, right? Um, and me, I've never, I had never read anything in my life up to this point before at all. I'd, I'd never really even consumed much content. Um, I sat down when I was little and I'll never forget this. I will never forget this. I was sitting, I sat on my mom's bed in our tiny little trailer long ago and, um, I opened up a beginner's Bible and 
it's like God right there enabled me to read. I opened up the first page and it said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and wow. the earth. Those are the very first words I had ever read. Wow. Very first words I ever really consumed in a, in a learning kind of sense. Like I was yeah. I, in an educational way and in, in discovery. Those were the very first words that ever entered my mind in a wow. sense. Um, and without any kind of any kind of phonics knowledge. I didn't know anything about reading or letters at all. And it's like God enabled me supernaturally to read. And I read those words out loud. And right there in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That statement was like, is like the first thing I ever learned. I took it at face value. I believed it. I met God right there. And it was like God saying, hi, I'm God. I made everything including you. And that's kind of the, the way he spoke to me at a really, really, really young age. Um, and that's been the foundation of my life ever since like that. I, that's, I know God is real because I met him right there in a way that, that made sense. He was telling me the environment around me. He was telling me who I am. He's telling me why everything exists. I kind of, I didn't know anything about Jesus. I didn't know anything about church or whatever. I met <laughs> God before I even knew I had to get saved. So I kind of already believed in a sense. And so I knew God that way and not through the ministry of my parents. It was through the faith and obedience of my mom to not rush me into school yeah. and, and my dad to not rush me into school or put me somewhere else. They just did what the Lord was leading them to do. Yeah. Um, and they ended up, I read that to myself and then I was like, Whoa, I can read. And then I went and showed my mom and we moved on from there and being in the church growing up, like I said, I was not on the stage. I knew God. I knew like he was, he was my guy. I knew him. Um, and I knew that I started learning that church was about him and church was for him but I didn't sing and I didn't play no instruments and I wasn't going to get on stage and talk to anybody. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because I know some kids, church can honestly feel like a social event for a lot of kids when they're younger. And for you, it sounds like you kind of knew what the purpose of church was and the role that it was going to serve in your walk with Jesus. I knew at that, I knew at that age that my relationship with Jesus or with God really had nothing to do with the church. It wasn't dependent upon that. So I was able to look at the church and be like, I'm not, I can't, I don't belong. I don't fit in or whatever necessarily. I didn't see myself fitting in and I was able to just be okay with that. Cause I was like, eh, it's just not, I know Jesus. So, yeah. um, and as a child, creativity, was me. Okay. That was just in my blood, in my DNA. Before I was reading and writing, um, my, my mom and my dad, they tell this all the time before I was able to hardly talk, I was drawing like perfect circles on a paper. I couldn't walk. I couldn't crawl, but if I had a pencil, I had motor skills and creative <laughs> ingenuity in my hands as like a baby. And I didn't, I didn't even know it. So I watched a lot of I loved Blues Clues. Oh, I loved yeah. Roly Poly Oly. That was a great show. I forgot about that show. Um, <laughs> it's a really good one. Toy Story. Those oh, yeah. three things. And then VeggieTales. Yeah. yeah. Those those four things is like the media. That's what I consumed as a child. And most wow. of them, it was like, 
it was just artistic steve drawing in his notebook kind of thing that was just that engaged me as a child yeah. um and i like to draw i just loved to draw it was the first thing i ever did was draw um and then growing up in the church i didn't see people drawing in church i saw people worshiping i saw people singing all that stuff other than the um coloring pages in sunday school i didn't believe in coloring pages i wanted to just draw the picture from scratch yeah um like i didn't see i knew what i liked and i knew what church was and i did not see a connection there at yeah. all i didn't see any kind of connection so growing up that sort of that sort of i guess shaped my mentality and my perspective and everything church is this i am this church life christianity serving god in this world looks like singing worshiping preaching in a church that's what my perspective was yeah um i like to draw there's no connection there really i can draw pictures for god of course that's one of the things i did all the time i love drawing you know what i read in that beginner's bible i like drawing those stories out but i just didn't see the connection of of serving in serving the lord with my life and my particular skill set life went on i grew up and i ended up getting involved in some boys programs that you know royal rangers was a big program a while ago it's kind of like a christian version of boy scouts um and my dad being in the military you know i grew up in a military home um things like logic discipline structure organization yeah. that was burned into my brain as a young yeah. kid as well um and that just that was my environment and then i got involved in i eventually started playing some sports um not I, I was homeschooled as a child. Our whole family was homeschooled. So I didn't play in school sports. I played. That's in, like a whole classroom though with 10 siblings. <laughs> oh yeah, it was. And it made much more sense to homeschool than it yeah. ever could have made to ship us all off to public school. Um, I'm so grateful for that. Um, and y'all could have fielded a whole sports team together. Or oh, absolutely. Like <laughs> absolutely. And we, I, I, I played, I, I watched, we were at a church, we were at our church one time on Super Bowl Sunday in 2009. It was that Super Bowl Sunday and my family, my mom is a lifelong diehard Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Oh. That's who she is. She bleeds black and gold. Everywhere across um, this country, man, you'll find Steelers fans. It they're everywhere. You are. It's so, like, it's like Kentucky, I live in Kentucky and it's like Kentucky basketball fans. They're everywhere. It's like you can go to Wyoming and you'll see somebody walking down the street with a Kentucky basketball yep. shirt on. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, they're everywhere. And that Super Bowl Sunday, Pittsburgh won that Super Bowl against the Cardinals. And I watched that football game from start to finish as a child. I didn't really care about sports at all or anything, but I watched that. And that just, that inspired, I loved it. I was yeah. like, oh my goodness, I got to do this. Because I love the quarterback. And Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger was my guy. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh my gosh, that just looks so much fun. So I started getting involved in football and I discovered a natural gift. I have, I have a good arm and I'm naturally enabled to play the position of quarterback. Um, and my point in saying that is being a quarterback of a football team is all about leadership and leadership and leadership and leadership and, and systems and organization and play calling and game plans and all that stuff and being yeah. a team player, being collaborative, those kinds of qualities 
were instilled in me completely unrelated to church again um through through sports and whatnot so for a little bit there i thought i was going to be a football player a quarterback in in the nfl and that (laughs) quite didn't happen um and i was very i was really focused on that actually and it it wasn't what god wanted me to do and my mom made sure that i knew that um by saying no to quite a lot of things i was always uh, too my, small to play football i was uh five seven and like 150 pounds so oh I my never, goodness i was never uh i played tennis instead of football <laughs> oh okay i got you i yeah. got you um but I, I played a little bit of football i was in the royal rangers program i grew up in a military home um so leadership and the ideas of organization and systems and teamwork and collaboration and organization and and being a thinker and a problem solver things like that were really i guess subconsciously grown in in my mind in my life those seeds were sown for years in my life um and shaped me in a lot of ways combine that with the creative part you know i I really started discovering what intentionality and creativity is and how they go together, how there's a system to a style, how there is logic to beauty in a lot of ways. Um, And in in growing up, I still, again, church was never like going to be a thing for me. Like it just serving in the church, serving in ministry wasn't it. I was going to be a quarterback in an artist kind of situation. Yeah. So what did you notice God doing in your heart sort of as you progressed through your teenage years? As I as I grew up and through my middle school and, and high school years, God began to unlock other things in me. He began to reveal other gifts and interests and talents that he had that he had given to me. Um, and a big one was back in I think it was 2008. Our family was at a church. Um, we were on staff at the church and you know, my mom was the worship leader. My dad was the associate pastor. My sister was on the worship team. Well, one night the drummer, he um, had a family emergency and he couldn't make it. They didn't have anyone else to play the drums. My mom voluntold me to play the drums because she was being quickened by the Holy Spirit to, to say that. And she did. And I went up there. They showed me which drum to hit when I needed to hit it. They told <laughs> you me. Ne- you never played drums before? I had never done anything musical before at all. And they like, just said, just, go out and play drums. <laughs> go out and play the drums. And he was like, the, the song sounds like one, two, three, four. On two and four, you hit this drum. It's called a snare. On one and three, you hit the hi-hat. So I was like, cheek, cap, cheek, like boom, clap, boom, clap. That was, and it was not amazing, but I mean, it worked. And man, I was up there and oh my goodness, let me tell you the, the thrill of it, the, just the way it fuels you. I discovered a natural ability to play the drums and that became another thing for me. I was like, oh my goodness, I can do something musical. Um, and so if I'm going to be in church, Hey, I can be the drummer kind of situation. So I started connecting a few dots there. Fast forward a few years, 2000, I think it was 2011 in January, I was playing football and I was, I was playing flag football without pads on or anything like that. But I was playing on a very like hard frozen ground. It wasn't ice or anything, but the ground was frozen. It was hard. Um, Not smart. 
I fell into the end zone on a touchdown run and snapped my collarbone in my Ugh. throat shoulder. Very, 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 very painful. The most excruciating pain I've ever been in my yeah. life, practically. Um, and that <laughs> sidelined me um, for about four months, actually. It was a very long, unusually long recovery time. And while I had a broken collarbone, I couldn't throw the football. I, I could draw, but I couldn't raise my arm or anything. Um, I couldn't do anything. So I was like, you know what? My parents had bought a few guitars for the fun of it. So I was like, I'm going to see if I can figure out how to play this thing. So I picked up a guitar. I looked up on YouTube how to play the intro to Sweet Home Alabama because that's the only guitar song I could even think of. I learned how to play that on YouTube and I discovered an ability to play the guitar. I learned how to play the guitar. Um, same exact kind of situation with the keyboard. I wanted to learn how to play Mighty to Save on the piano. So I looked up a YouTube video, watched it, did it. And I realized, oh my gosh, every worship song is four chords. This is pretty, I can play anything with yeah. these. I've so, tried both of those things and I've never, I, I took piano lessons for about two years and I just, I, it, it was too hard for me. I, I tried, I tried to take guitar lessons at the beginning of 2020 and it just was, it, my hands are too small. I feel like it just was so hard. And so it is I, I was hard. in choir, but like learning instruments, I just have, it's always been hard. Like I wish that I, I started playing drums when I was in like fifth and sixth grade. And then when I was in middle school, I had to decide between band or choir and I went to choir and I always wondered like if I had learned the drum set, would I, would I have had a similar experience like you? If what I figured, cause I always like, I'll hear songs and I'm like, I can tell the beat and like, I'll be jumping yeah. in my car and everything, but yeah, instruments, I've never, never learned any of them. So I, that's one skill that I wish I could have. <laughs> yeah. If, if you can clap, you can play the drums. Trust me. If you, yeah. if you got to <laughs> take time to learn how to, you have to learn how to clap through five round wooden shells and some cymbals um, but if you can clap, you can play the drums. You just, it takes time and effort to, to translate your clapping into drumming. Um, but if you can clap, you've got what it takes. If you can't clap, please don't sit down in a drum set. Please, <laughs> I beg you. Um, God unlocked musical gifts in me. Um, he had already unlocked leadership gifts in me with sports and, and all those other things I was involved in. He unlocked the creative gifts inside of me. I mean, I knew I was going to be able to, I knew I could draw. That was my thing. As I grew up, um, I was inspired by Toy Story a lot to just make a picture move. I was like, that's not a real human. They drew that or something and it's moving. How, yeah. how in the world does that work? Um, and in doing that, I started dabbling in motion picture and oh, wow. okay. story and and that kind of thing i ended up getting a camera or using a camera from around the house and i started making some movies and whatnot and that ended up becoming you know the the gift i have in film and film production and storytelling cinematography that kind of thing that's where all that started um and photography is the other thing that really came out of nowhere and got unlocked in me. I was, I used a, a camera for video before I ever knew it could take a photo. Um, and 
I yeah, like I, I had no idea that was even a thing. Um, and I was like, was oh, it a this Canon? Cool. Was it a Canon or a Nikon? I gotta ask you, Canon, Nikon. What was the brand? This was an old JVC okay. DVD, like oh, camcorder. Okay, yeah, yeah, this was way back in the day. Okay, um, and it had a little <laughs> picture functionality to it. So I started snapping some photos and whatnot, and I was like, oh my goodness. And this is the way it became useful to me. I was like, I would see something that I like, and I'm just like oh my goodness, I can take a picture of that and I don't have to draw it. Like, I don't have to look at it and draw it in order to have a copy of it. I can just take a picture. This is great. Um, And that was kind of, that's how I saw it. But as I got older and in church and whatnot, and this thing, you know, I start taking photos in the church and stuff like that. I'd started designing in PowerPoint. I didn't know what Photoshop was. I got on PowerPoint first. That was what I used. That and Microsoft Paint was Microsoft my digital Paint. tools. Those are my digital tools for creativity as a kid on the church office computers when I was bored. Um, That's how you put so, your work in because you know, a lot of these kids are growing up with these fancy apps. They don't understand what it was like to have yeah, to create oh something gosh, on Microsoft Paint. Right. If I could have had access to a touchscreen phone where you could just touch it and draw instead of having to use a mouse to draw, that was like so incredibly difficult. When I I taught yearbook, we had these little, uh, I used to be, I I am a high school teacher, but I used to be a yearbook Mm -hmm. teacher as well. And we would have, we had these, um, I don't know what they're called, but they're boards that you can hook up to a computer. You have like a stylus pen or a pen and you can draw on it. You see it on the screen and I would have my artist kids draw on it. And that was always really cool. I, I was like, we never had that whenever I was in high school. We never had things like that. So yeah, kids we, now, man, they're growing up with so many cool tools that, you know, if they're creative, they got all kinds of stuff at their at their disposal, which is awesome. But uh, it is awesome. It was but, you had you had to be you had to be really creative to be creative yeah, whenever we were younger. Exactly. Because like using Microsoft Paint, using other stuff, it was just. Yeah, that was a different. Yeah, exactly. It was like back nowadays, it's just so easy. It's just, it's too easy, honestly. And like, I think the fact that I was able to be so creative had to, was a product of the ingenuity I had to have in order to express the creativity, finding ways to express the creativity in a sense fuels your creative skills because it's, and I'll get into this a little bit later. Creativity is not just drawing there is creativity in a line of code there is creativity in blueprints there is creativity in logic um and that's we'll get into that a bit later because that's where the book comes in in a lot of ways um but i that was something i knew as a child so before when you thought church maybe wasn't really for you did you kind of start to feel like that was changing a little bit yeah i i was i was drawing on the computers and the churches and whatnot. And I started taking photos in church and making videos for church events and stuff like that. So all these creative skills started expressing themselves in, in, in the church space and in ways that I didn't see possible because it's kind of like, you know, church creativity is a thing now. Like it's been a thing for a few years um videos graphics social media like like a big production with you it is yeah like that's completely churches that don't have that are weird now like (laughs) it was a completely unknown concept when i was a kid to have that kind of stuff in church um so as the church has grown in its creativity i like 
I've grown with it as well. And like, as the church has progressed, I have progressed at the same pace in a way, Yeah. in, in a way to where the church is where it's at now. And I'm as creatively grown as I am now to where plugging in is really easy. You know, yeah. it's, it's just, it was impossible to get drawings in church when I was a kid. And now churches are hiring people for all of these kinds of things. Yeah. So it seems it's like just, from my perspective, churches are trying to find ways like if, if you had, like at least in my church, if you have any sort of creative skill, they're going to try to find a use for that because I, mm-hmm. I love, I love talking about creative creativity with creative people, because like you said, there are so many avenues that, that you can use your creativity for. And somebody who is creative themselves is going to find a creative way to use your creativity. It's yes, a, very meta, exactly. a very meta sub meta way of describing all that. But I mean, seriously, like I, I love like you, you talked about how like even just like coding in a computer or blueprints like I, yep. I will like I was talking to one of my former students the other day she was asking me just about like my career and stuff and I said you know uh she she was asking me about creativity and I said even as a teacher you know I enjoy the creative process of creating a lesson plan I mean just like yeah exactly I mean it seems it seems benign but there's so there's so many and it, and it kind of could sound pretentious if you talk about it so much like when you talk about creativity a lot like it, it, you can almost come off that way but like there really are so many different ways like to be creative and i don't mean there to really be are. like i don't mean to be this like philosopher but <laughs> i mean creativity is so broad and it's so beautiful and i don't i think there, i think there's a lot of people that may not even understand kind of like you're describing with you they may not even be fully aware of all of the creative abilities that they have yes, or how to use them. Absolutely. That is, oh my goodness, that is so true. And that, um, you know, that is something that God, and I talk about a little bit in the book. Um, I don't get too in the weeds about the creative space or anything, because that's more yeah. of a, it's a little bit more of a focused area. And I didn't want to, once I explain a little bit of the, how the book is set up, I didn't want to just stick it in there as a, as a systematic component. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a little bit bigger than that. So I'm not going to spoil anything, but eventually there's going to be some other content coming from me about creativity. Um, but something God, I guess, showed me creativity. You've, you've got society in, in a lot of ways, culture, there's, there's been these divides in a lot of ways where like, in, in and he showed me through like the the school culture back you know back in the day when stuff was so i guess divided in a lot of ways you had the 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 athletes you had the mathematicians you had the science geeks you had the art class kids you had all of these other things um and it was like science and a paintbrush that's not that doesn't go together math and graphics that doesn't go those things they don't go together and god showed me he was like remember what i told you when i met you in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and he showed me that like number one he is creative like he is the ultimate creator yeah and if he's the creator and we are created in his image with human capacities of his attributes and his characteristics that means we have some creativity in us. Everybody, the fact that you are made by God means that you have creativity inside of you. It might not be 
in 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 a visually artistic way Vi art and creativity are different things as well yeah um art is a form of creativity yeah it's i not think so many people itself. i think so many people associate creativity with just art class like you're saying like in school they think creativity is just me drawing creativity is yep. just painting nope <laughs> there's so many outlets like you can so be an athlete you can be an athlete you can be a coach and the fact that you've designed a play for your team exactly exactly yeah. and god being the ultimate creator god is so creative in a way that that marries look and function into a singular experience you know the the beauty of the sky and and the beauty of flowers and the beauty of the ocean and and the beauty the the that emotional part of our brain that just gets in this state of awe and wonder over the things he's created those things that he's created are extremely complex and systematic and ingenious like the biology of a plant is absolutely crazy the the way the stars work in in a physics kind of context yep. is just as excellent as their visual appearances yeah. or as the aroma of a flower or as the sound of birds chirping birds have vocal or they've they've got sound components inside of them that have to work a certain way to produce the sounds that they produce that are so pleasant to our ears and god just showed me that like take my creation for example there is logic and beauty in everything the human body when you are and when you see someone that you are attracted to and you just, oh my gosh, they're so beautiful. They're so just, ah, they're, they're amazing. Like when I see my wife. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm completely single. So that doesn't really apply to me, but, um, and like a, in a marriage, you still, no, you you still see, notice attractive people though. You know? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> you admire someone's visual beauty. Like, they have a skeleton that is absolutely ingenious. The nervous system is so complicated and, and in depth, the way your muscles work is crazy. And the way they can work with your bones is crazy. Your body's ability to digest what you put into it and break it down and, and go put everything everywhere. The way your vitals work, the respiratory system, the way your body is able to heal itself. That is mind blowing. Like, yeah all of these things are together creativity is that visual beauty and that ingenious innovation put together yeah. um and it is and, and it is crazy because it is most displayed in humanity god's pinnacle of creation um nothing else is created in him is in his image other than humanity um and the the logic and the beauty, the logic and creativity that are put together into a singular experience that's displayed in the human body is just a really big, it's just a, a great example of, of what creativity actually is um, yeah. and, and how it is so not limited whatsoever in any kind of way. It is yeah. not just creating eyes that look amazing and and a skin tone that just resonates with someone it is designing their body to optimally perform and take care of itself you don't have to think about breathing because your body automatically does that the ingenious just almost oh just the, the crazy innovation that goes into that that's what creativity is it's yeah. not it's it's not just 
art. It's not just abstract visual beauty. It's systematic design. It is yeah. ingenuity. It's innovation. Um, and as I said earlier, when I, in, in my introduction, when I say I'm a creator and an innovator, they're a singular experience because I think they, God is a singular, he's, he's God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit, he's a Trinitarian God, but God in his nature, he signifies all these things and, and they're all singular and, and growing up and showing me all these gifts that I've had with the, the creativity and the, and the design and film and photography, the music combined with leadership skills and uh, a mind that is naturally ingenuitive. I guess I, I had a little bit of a, I don't want to say a crisis, but I had a, a very interesting place where I was like, God, you're overwhelming me here. I'm, I'm supposed to figure out what I'm supposed to do with my life. And I've got too many different avenues I could go down. Like I have a lot of options here. I could go to graphic design school. I could be a musician. I could go and, and learn how to be a mechanic because I understand that kind of stuff. What do you want me to do kind of situation? And it really clicked for me. It, it, he finally showed me everything. A couple years ago in 2017, I entered an international competition. Um, it was called Teen Talent. It's through the Church of God denomination. Um, international Teen Talent is worldwide. Um, and they have a creative division. And more specifically, they have within that creative division, they have art, they've got photography, they've got film, and those are very competitive spaces. Yeah. Um, and I never really went in that direction, maybe in the film, because I was really good at like using a film camera and a computer. Um, but they had a website design category. And I was like, oh, okay. I had already designed a few websites by this time. That's another thing I did was website. I love website design. Um, I feel like you love to just try everything that interests you, which I appreciate. Basically. Yeah. And that kind of <laughs> We're going stuff, from it comes, football to web design to photography. Yeah. To it's music all to, over the place. Yeah. It's all over the place. And I think it's when, a good message though, of like not just segmenting yourself. Like you see so many kids now, especially like, you know, I, I coach tennis and I see a lot of kids, especially with a sport like tennis, that that's the one and only thing that they do. And it's like every yep. other, every second of their day that they have free that, you know, it really, when they could be doing something else they're, they're playing tennis, which that's fine. Tennis is a great sport. And I see this with, with other sports too, but like, there's so many other things that like, I don't know, like, I, I think we should encourage kids growing up, like, Hey, don't just segment yourself into one thing. Don't just specialize because yeah. like it makes you much more well-rounded whenever you've got all these other interests. Now it does make it like you're saying, you got kind of which, which route do I want to choose that kind of thing. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you never know when some of those skills you'll need to fall back on. Exactly. And that's the, the purpose of why you have all those skills is what God was really explaining to me in this experience. When I designed I entered a film for this competition and I put a lot of effort into that. I thought that was going to be my main competition point. Um, I wrote, I didn't write a film. It was more of a abstract kind of thing. Um, but creating it, I just, I was, I was like, I'm gonna give this my A game. Like I'm going to color grade this. I'm going to use a microphone. Like I'm going to do all this crazy stuff. I went all out for the, for the film. The website was, I designed a prototype website for my church. 
Um, because when you enter something this, then into this competition, it's got to be Jesus related. Jesus based got to be a Christian. Yeah. I'm just like, well, that's easy. Make a church website. That's the, no brainer. Cause other people, a few people entered like a website that was about a scripture passage or something because they just had a really hard time coming up with an idea. I'm thinking to myself, what are or websites for organizations use website? They're they're for information, marketing, that kind of thing. Just the church is an easy one. So I just literally, I, I whipped up a church prototype website and it was pretty simple, but very informative. And it was designed very well. I entered that into this competition and in the competition, when you enter something, you also have to present it. You know, you can't just send them the file, let them look at it and they decide who's is best. They judge you based on presentation as well. Um, so I had to present my website to a panel of judges. Um, and this was so, again, the creative side of me that is not just, you know, that thinks creativity is all over the place, not just one thing. Um, I got very creative in how I was going to do a presentation. Um, and as I, as I grew up in my free time on YouTube, like a lot of people do, they watch what they they're interested in on YouTube. I loved yeah. tech growing up. I loved creativity. And the intersection of that was Apple, particularly Steve jobs. So I watched a lot of Steve jobs as a kid Yeah. and I just, I, I really subconsciously, honestly, just absorbed presentation and communication and and public speaking and that kind of thing so i was like oh my gosh i'm gonna be steve jobs up here presenting my website to these judges that's how i'm gonna do it so i made a keynote i didn't copy apple's look or anything but i made a keynote that was pretty i guess apple like in a lot of ways and in how it looked and what and how i explained everything the way they talk about iOS 14 or whatever is the way I talked about this website. Um, and I created the website and I went up there and I gave the presentation and that was the very first time I had ever done like any kind of public speaking kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I went up on the stage with the lights on me, with a remote in my hand, controlling the slides on the screen, presenting notes and, and this sort of talk that I prepared. And you can see where I'm going with this, I guess. I communicated for the first time and that was unreal. The, the fulfillment that came from that was something that honestly scared me for yeah. a moment. I was like, whoa, I never saw myself talking in front of people. Cause that's what my dad did in a pulpit. Yeah. Um, I never saw myself doing it. I just did this and I was like, Whoa, okay. Then I was like, all right, God, this is the last straw. You've been giving me a gift to publicly speak and communicate and have stage presence. What in the world? Is, like, what, what is it? What, what's going on? And God was like, listen, the reason you have all these gifts and all of these abilities, they are not for, a bunch of the potential options. They're not um, for a, a bunch of possible career paths necessarily. He, he told me, he was like, the best NFL coaches are the ones who played football. The best bosses are the ones who can understand every department. The best leaders are the ones who can relate to every person they lead. You are going to be a pastor and a pastor, a good pastor 
can relate to children's ministry. I had nine siblings. Children was <laughs> my thing, really. Yeah. Um, a, a good pastor is going to be able to run it like an organization, um, relate to their worship team. They're going to be able to create. They're going to be able to relate to all the areas of their organization. And you, he told me, you have all these gifts so that way they can combine into one. And you're going to be a leader that can lead in a lot of different ways. You're going to be a pastor of a very complex church. <laughs> um, and a pastor, it's hard to be a pastor and not be able to preach and get up on stage and talk. So that was the icing on the, that was the final piece yeah. was the communicative side of it. Um, so I was like, wow, considering as a child, I never saw myself even serving in church. I'm going to be leading a church, not just leading a church, but starting a church from the ground up because I'm an entrepreneur as well. I run my own business doing a lot of these things. Everything made sense right there. I'm going to be a pastor and a pastor who doesn't have to outsource everything. I've got enough skills to, in a general sense, start from the ground up and be able to do it. Um, not necessarily not, not do it myself in a self-centered way, but do it myself as in I, I can understand the complete thing and therefore lead in the best uh, possible capacity for me. So all of the gifts that I have are for the purpose of pastoring and, and for I don't want to necessarily say pastoring, but leading people to Jesus. And, and now you can add writing to that because you got a book coming up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, leading people to Jesus and leading people who already know Jesus deeper in their, in their walk with Jesus and whatnot. So yeah. that's sort of me in a very crazy big nutshell. Um, I, I'm very diverse, but it's all a singular experience for me. Um, and over the years and, and, and doing all these different things, um, I've learned a lot of different ways of doing these things. Right. And that's sort of the idea behind your new book, The Jesus Life. So tell us the backstory behind that idea. A lot of, a lot of people right now are, are into the, I guess, self-development kind of, that's become a, a, a thing a lot recently. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what to call it. I don't want to say a trend, but it's become a very popular interest. And there are a lot of YouTubers who are very big in the self-help space and whatnot, self-development, that kind of thing. So what I started to do a couple of years ago is all of this creative energy and ingenuity and all these, all these things that I've used in churches and all over the place, I'm going to try and use them on myself. I'm going to try and make, instead of uh, a, having a logo to design as my project or a website to create or a photo to edit or a song to learn how to play, I'm going to make my life my own passion project. I'm going to be creative with my life and figure it out. Um, this and and because God showed me how intentional He is in designing things, um, and He didn't just create humans to be externally creative and be externally focused in everything. We have a system and and a way that we're supposed to. A car has 
an operation manual and, and a specific design and focus both cosmetically and mechanically. There's that beauty and logic coming together again into the same thing. Um, and God, he, he, he sort of, he challenged me um, to dive into that, to really dive into self-development and self-growth in a Christian perspective, because it's, it's not just um, scientific as a lot of secular people make it. And a lot of these people who are real big on wellness or productivity, things like that, they're very philosophical. They're very, they're intentionally secular in a lot of ways because that stuff doesn't exist really in a community of faith. It doesn't exist in the spiritual, I guess, side of culture right now if you know jesus you go to church like it's very limited yeah. um, people have limited what a, a god-centered anything looks like to church um and so god he, he led me to dive into that and and i was like okay god what what how how, how do i even start what, what in the world am i supposed to do and he's like well there is one person who's existed who knew this and perfected it. It was Jesus. Jesus managed his own life in a very just perfect way, honestly, in a very intentional way. And in the life of Christ, he's, you know, what would Jesus do is a big thing in, in the faith community. How would Jesus treat this situation? That applies literally everywhere. Jesus is the standard for everything, not just making right choices for when it comes to other people or choosing your career. He is the perfection of like understanding yourself, understanding who you are and, and, and I guess, managing yourself in all these different ways. Um, and God created that and he let that happen to be a model for us to live out. Um, so I approached Jesus's life from a completely different, I guess, perspective. I started thinking, how did Jesus spend his free time? How did, what time, how, how was Jesus sleep schedule? How was Jesus managing his health? How is Jesus being productive? What did Jesus think about cultural uh, norms and innovations of their time? And I was, because that's how people are today. And that kind of stuff shapes your life. Right. I wonder how Jesus shaped his own life in, in a sense. And if just as the watchmaker has an intention for the watch, just as the, the inventor of a specific vehicle has a specific, Elon Musk has a vision for the Tesla, God has a system to the human life um, in more ways than we really know. Um, so discovering that and, and actually making that tangible instead of using other people's resources to manage my life that originate from a secular philosophical mindset, I want to see how those things could come to life from someone with a biblical logic and a biblical mindset, a biblical worldview. Um, that's not just spiritual or church related that like has to do with your own self and self-development. So over the past three years, really just analyzing life, taking literally a, a blank piece of paper and 
making a blueprint and drawing it out something coming up with something because i know something needed to become up come up with something needed to be created so i worked on that and and grew it and whatnot and that's eventually what became the book the jesus life is not really a book but it's a system of life that's based on the life of jesus everything about it even when i get into the weeds about using your technology ultimately there's jesus in that because you know they had technology back in jesus's day it just wasn't screens and batteries and electronics it yeah. was like innovations when it came to fishing nets or yeah. looked a or whole lot what, different <laughs> yeah it looked a whole lot different but in essence it was the same thing Communi communication you know uh, travel commerce um just the way they did life and, and utilized the objects those that's technology okay what they used right. is is yeah we associate we associate technology with silicon valley and apple yeah and exactly iPhones. but yeah i mean technology itself does not have to be mm -hmm. like even like when the uh like bow and arrows were created i mean that was a new form of technology just you know we're so used to tech being like yep. digital stuff but it's not mm -hmm. uh yeah what you're saying is true like it's that there's so much more to it than just hey this is a, a piece of metal with some uh wires and graphics and stuff with it yeah exactly yeah. and exactly. and yeah so when you have that kind of mindset and, and you reapproach everything literally everything from a jesus perspective not in a super spiritual way because that's people they get people can get confused and think that what would jesus do is just very spiritual and if you ask yourself what would jesus eat like that right there is just you over spiritualizing health no that's not it at all what would you, Jesus was a human who had to figure out what he was going to eat in a lot of ways. Um, but he was also God, the, the originator of the human mind and of the human body and of humanity period. So he already knew what the best solution was for all of the things he needed to do. So shaping, shaping my mindset like that and, um, and, and using that as my perspective and as my guide in creating what is the Jesus life creating this lifestyle system is what it is. It really just, it blew my mind as I created it. And I never, as I created, I never, I never even really, it, there was no purpose of it ever becoming, even having a name and becoming a public kind of release or anything. It was in, in, at the beginning for me, it was just, habits and routines and 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 ideas and processes and all of these other things that i was just going to apply to my life to make me better at what i'm doing whatever that looks like yeah. um and i built it in in a very organized and, and structured way um that is as spiritual yet as logical um as possible in a lot of ways and in its appropriate context. So the book, once you get it, you'll, as, as I open it up and, and dive into, I guess the introduction where I sort of explain what in the world this is, because the Jesus life isn't very, 
um, expl- explanatory, yeah. I guess that can be viewed all in, in a bunch of different ways. I, I provide some clarity at the very beginning of the book. I talk about how it's set up and the Jesus life is a lifestyle system that's based on the life of Jesus plus the rest of the Bible's teachings plus the modernity of systems and what's available to us right now. It's a lifestyle system that is futuristic, that is streamlined, and that is flexible, and that is scalable. It's not rigid. Um, And that's very important in a lot of these different parts of the book. That becomes very important. Um, And so it's, it's a lifestyle system, and this system has a framework. The way I have this thing set up to organize it and make it make sense is I have it's, it's set up in life points, components, and elements. If you look at it, you're going to think of an outline for an essay or something um, because it's displayed that way to, for, for it to make sense. But basically, there are life points, which is an a area of life. And then each, each life point has components. Those are the sub areas of that area of life. And then each component is made up of a bunch of different elements. Um, so life points, components, and elements is, is the framework for the Jesus life. Okay. And the objective of it is to complete the framework and then activate the framework. And what I mean by that is we're going to evaluate the framework. I talk about it in the book. Every life point component and element is evaluated it's understanding what it is, getting a thorough, um, a, a, a good definition of it to yourself. You're developing an understanding based on an analysis of what that is. Um, you're getting, you're knowing what it is. You're just, you're learning what each life point is and what each component is that makes up that life point and all the different elements of it. You're getting a thorough understanding and evaluation of it. After you evaluate it, we build a solution the solution is really the key. This is, this is the, I guess the most important part of everything. It's you build a solution based on your evaluation of all these things. You've got to make a solution for a solution is what completes that life point. And I'll give an example here in a moment that'll help it make sense. Um, but a solution is what takes the life point and the components and the elements brings them together into uh, something that you can that you can then implement in life, and the implementation is the final phase. It's we get we evaluate it, then we create a solution for it, and then we implement it. The implementation is also a big part because if you don't actually implement it into your life, it's not going to do anything. So right. creating the solution is completing the framework, and then implementing that solution is activating the framework in your life. The book is set up in seven life points. And again, it's scalable. So if there are other life point areas of your life that need to be systemized, you add to it, you can add a life point to it. And that's what I've done. There are a lot of life points for me that are not in this book. But the the life, the seventh life point is productivity. Okay. And at the beginning of that chapter, I, I evaluate productivity and what productivity is. Um, and then I go into the components of productivity. And the way I put it in the book, productivity is three components. It's energy management, time management, and task management. And 
if you take the component, I guess, where's a, where's a good one? We'll do, we'll do energy management. Um, the, the life point productivity has a component. That component is energy management and the elements of energy management um, of managing your energy is depletion and energization, meaning you're managing the things in life that energize you and the things that deplete you. Um, and I talk about energy depletion and looking at the things in life that drain you and, and that, that consume energy and that consume, um, it's just that they're, they're draining to you. you don't like yeah. them at all. Um, and this is in a lot of ways, it was inspired by a Craig Groeschel podcast episode. I reference him in the book. Um, but it's, it's about managing your energy and what, what depletes you specifically in this context. Um, and the solution I have for that is very similar to the one Craig provided. Actually, you look at the things that deplete you. That is the element of the energy management life component that we're looking at here. And you either automate it, you look at the things that depletes you that you don't want to do the tasks in your life that you don't want to do that drain you, you're going to either automate it, create a way for it to take care of itself, you're going to delegate it, maybe give it to someone who else who who is empowered to do that thing. If you don't like meetings, if you don't like hosting meetings, that's just a task that drains you. Um, what if you don't have to do it? Delegate it to someone else who is gifted at leading meetings. I've um, always struggled or, with delegation. Like whenever I was, yeah. when I was the yearbook teacher, I really struggled with that because a lot of times if kids didn't do what they were supposed to for their, their spread or something in the yearbook, like I would end up doing it just because I knew it needed to be done. And like yeah. a lot of stress was added to my, my workload because I, I was just, that was not, that was not a skill that I had. It's not your thing. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. And the final, there, there are three things you can do with things that deplete you. You can automate it, you can delegate it, or this is my favorite one, eliminate it. If you don't have to do it, if it's not mandatory, if it's not making progress in your life, don't just do it because, oh, it has to be done. That's a very vague reason to do anything. Um, if it doesn't have a clear objective, that actually makes progress don't do it anymore just del just get rid of it and when you do that that solution is something that is that you implement in your life the idea of automating a task that drains you is great so go and automate the task that's the implementation the application um to to that solution and the next element you know we talk about energy management and managing the, the things in life that deplete you. The next page, I, I talk about the other element of that, which is things that energize you, things that fuel you, things that are just that, that, that create more energy because energy is a renewable resource. And I basically, the, the, the solution I provide for energy management is quite simple. Uh, for things that energize you, do them as much as you can. If figure out what fuels you and do that as much as possible, because if you keep your energy up and you keep your energy going and you keep yourself with, with positive energy um, and you keep fueling your energy, you're going to move forward with momentum in a lot of ways to do the things you need to do. If you minimize what drains you and maximize what fuels you, um, that's going to 
that's going to change everything. And that's why when it comes to productivity, the energy management is the thing I get out of the way first, because the other components of productivity are time management and task management. Um, and you can't manage your time and manage your tasks right until you know what fuels you and what drains you. Because if you're not managing your energy and you're just being unintentional about that and continuing to do things that drain you, you're going to shape your time. You're going to manage your time around things that drain you. You're going to put all this effort into making a schedule for yourself based on something that drains you. So you're not going to enjoy it and it's going to deplete you. Same thing with tasks. You're going to make a checklist. That's one of the solutions I talk about in here. You're going to make a checklist of a bunch of things that drain you and you're going to go through the, that's not inspiring and you're going to stop doing it is what's going to happen. Um, so that's a, a preview in a sense of what the book sort of looks like and what the Jesus life is. Um, it's, it's about taking your life, breaking it down into a bunch of different life points and each of those life points, breaking them down into components and then looking at the elements of that component that, that make it what it is. And once you understand what those are, create a solution for it and then implement it in your life where you complete the framework and you activate the framework. And thus the result is you living and experiencing this, this, these solutions in your life. This all comes up to be, you literally start living the Jesus life. And the subtitle for the book is living the best life that Jesus has for you because you're not making solutions out of, out of philosophy. You're not making solutions and routines and systems for yourself out of philosophy or out of a secular inspiration. We're pulling this from Jesus himself because he's the mastermind behind the human life and every life point. The life points are your identification, your ID. That's the first thing I talk about in the book is understanding who you are. Yeah. The second life point in the book is Jesus. He is it's, it's kind of hard to live the Jesus life without Jesus. So he's yeah. in there. Um, and, and he's the second life point. The life, the third life point is your personhood. This is where it gets very psychological, but I still keep it systematic and applicable. Um, and then it gets very, I guess, I don't want to say easier to read through, but you start flowing with it after the fourth life point where I talk about health. That is yeah. a big part of life. Um, and then the fifth life point is logistics. Life is logistical. There are a lot of logistics in our life. And then my favorite one is the sixth life point. It's the digital life point. And that's where I get into the, because digital technology is who it, it is literally like what shapes our society right now. Like it is yeah. here and it's not going anywhere. Um, Jesus didn't have it back in his day, but Jesus could see into the future. Of course, he knew this was going to exist. How would Jesus use technology? If Jesus had a smartphone, if Jesus had a computer, which one would he have? How would he use it? If Jesus had social media, how would he use social media? If Jesus had accounts with passwords, how would he utilize? <laughs> I talk about everything. I talk about managing your emails. I talk about, and this is where the framework and all the, the way it's set up, the components, the life points, components, elements, evaluating it, creating a solution and then implementing it, that becomes very, it becomes a lot easier in this life point because I evaluate what your email is. 
I evaluate the components that make up what emails are, and then I provide a solution to manage them. And I tell you how to actually apply that to your life and get to get started on it. Um, So I talk about in, in that life point, I go over devices, I go over accounts, I go over using social media, I go over all those things. And a lot of these solutions I've created for myself. um, One of them that I've actually used before I really announced that I was doing a book, I've helped a lot of people because people know that I'm tech savvy, they know that that's my thing. So if they if if my grandma forgets her password, which I love my grandmother, she forgets her passwords quite a lot. Um, so that's your password is a credential and a credential is what you use to access an account. So there's an entire section in the book that talks about accounts, thus talking about credentials and how to manage your credentials, including your passwords. So I come up with a solution called the password formula that takes your passwords and applies mathematical logic to it. Um, and that actually, that sounds like a very complex idea, but the reason I did it and the reason I actually put it into the book is because I tested it on multiple people and it worked every single time. So I was like, okay, this might actually be useful to a lot of people. So I talk about managing your passwords and creating a formula for your passwords because I I explained to my grandma, I literally wrote down an arithmetic problem and I, I wrote down five, six different arithmetic problems. Um, and she was able to solve every single one of them because she knew arithmetic. She knew how to add, she knew math. So I was like, we're going to do this to your passwords. You can solve any mathematic equation, regardless of what the variables are, because you know the formula. So we're going to make a formula to your passwords that's consistent across all of them. The the way you add is the way you add. There's not a hundred different ways to do an addition problem. The logic to that, that's a formula, an established formula. We're going to do that with passwords and we're going to change the variables depending on which account it is. And you're going to know what the variables are because you've set it up in a way that makes sense to you. Um, And every different account is going to have a different password, but you're going to know every single one of them. Or if you quick, if you forget, you think about what your formula is and you're going to be able to use your predictive capabilities to figure out what that password is if you forgot it yourself. So that is one very detailed look at just one of the solutions I talk about in the book. Um, And it gives you a little bit of an idea of, of what to expect in, in, in reading this, because like I said, you can look at a title, the Jesus life, and then a subtitle that says living the best life that Jesus has for you and be like, Oh, this is a feel good inspirational. This is a good read. No, this is a system that is created to inspire, not, a good reading experience, but a good life in every way. That's a a quick preview, I guess, of, of the book itself. So where can, where people want to buy the book, where can they go? Obviously it's on Amazon. Uh, Is it just on Amazon? Because it was self-published through Amazon and KDP. Is it just on Amazon or can they go to your website too? Or where can people go to, to buy this? Yeah. So it's going to be on amazon.com self-published through them, through them. Of course, the book itself has a website because again it's more than a book it's the the website for it is the jesus life dot online 
Um, and on that website, of course, you'll have access to, to buy the book. It's going to redirect you to Amazon. Um, I'm, I'm just selling it straight through them. I'm not going to make a, another way to sell it. I'm just going to sell it straight through them. So that'll be, you can expect to be redirected to the Amazon product page when you want to buy the book. That's where it's going to be. And then once you read through the book, at the end of it, I give you, um, I guess, some instructions to go to the Jesus Life online, and that's where I'm going to provide you with a bunch of different pieces of content. I'm going to provide you with example solutions for just about everything in the book. There's eventually there's going to be videos about all of these things um, and more in-depth talks and teachings and whatnot um, uh, about what the book talks about. Um, so I'd encourage you at the end of the book, if you see in here where I talk about budgeting and managing your finances, um, I don't leave you hanging on that website. I'm going to provide you with an example budget and I'm going to give you, um, a quick guide on how to use it, depending on what software you're using. And I talk about all of those things to get you up to speed on it. So that way you can start managing your money add that to your life and thus implement that solution and complete that life point for you. That's going to be the case for just about everything in the book. I'm going to try to provide an example that you can take and customize and make it your own or build your own from the ground up, just like I did. Um, but you could utilize my examples as inspiration uh, to create your own. So all of that's going to be on the jesuslife.online as well but the book is going to be purchasable through amazon.com awesome so the final question i always love to ask my guests uh the show is called in no hurry um and so i was you know we were kind of talking i think a little bit about this earlier uh you kind of, kind of were touching on this idea but um you know when your life gets kind of crazy it gets busy um you know maybe you, you've got too much going on what are some things that you do to sort of create rhythms or to just kind of Peel back and maybe not allow yourself to be in such a hurry. Maybe going back to wow. the idea of delegating stuff too. Yeah. So um, that's, that's interesting because that's, I talk about that, that kind of stuff a lot in the book, of course. Um, when, when, when things get in a hurry, trying to find a way to slow yourself down basically um, and not get too, yeah to, I guess, stressed or anything in the moment. That's sort of the framing of your question, correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So again, what I try to do is I try to prevent that from ever happening as as much as possible in a way. I do (laughs) preventative maintenance. um, And I talk about that in the book a lot. You know, I manage my time and my to-do list based on what energizes me. And, and what um, what fuels me. And if yeah. there are things that drain me that I absolutely have to do and they can't be automated, delegated, or eliminated, um, I just do them as little as possible. I do them as, as, as little as possible. Um, and I also remember this, and, and this is very important. Um, and I talk... A little bit about this in the beginning of the book, but this is a this is a truth that that the Lord has encouraged me with, um, that Jesus has encouraged me with. That this Jesus life, this life that we live, the Christian life, if you want to 
step away from the book for a minute and think just in faith in general, if you live a life of faith, this life is up and it's down. It's, it is the most exhilarating roller coaster ride you could ever be on because it's got the highest highs that are amazing and breathtaking. Your highest moment with Jesus is going to be better than anything you've ever experienced on earth. And then it's got the scariest low points you could even imagine. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I've never been more terrified than, than I have in some of my moments that were with Jesus or whatever. Like it, it's this life comes with ups and downs. The Bible said it rains on the just and the unjust. We are not promised this perfect life of, of no negativity whatsoever. Um, but on this roller coaster with ups and downs, this this roller coaster of life with the highest highs that are amazing and the scariest low lows, Jesus is the seatbelt that keeps you in that roller coaster through the whole way. And his love is what keeps you in there. The Jesus life is up and it's down, but Jesus is constant through it all. That's exactly why he's in the name of it is because he's in it through it all. And he's that baseline that we can come back to. Um, and Jesus himself had to experience low moments in life. And there were things that he did not want to do that he absolutely had to do. He couldn't delegate it. He couldn't automate it. He couldn't eliminate it. But he did it anyways because he knew the greater good. He knew the greater purpose. He, he knew what was on the other side of, of what he was doing. Um, and he trusted the father with taking him through whatever trial, whatever situation that was. So for me in my life, it's the same exact kind of logic. When I face a low point or when things get crazy, when life gets in a hurry and I can't just stop doing what I don't want to do in a sense, if I can't completely customize and tailor every single area of my life to be as perfect as I can make it to be, I embrace what's in front of me and I, go through it with Jesus because again, he's with you through it all. And he is going to love you through whatever you're going through, whatever it is you're facing, he's going to love you through it. And no matter what, and no matter what right now looks like my life is, is built on this one single fundamental truth. And it's that regardless of the past, the present, and the future in Jesus, my best, your best, the best is always yet to come. It's impossible to be past your prime in Christ because prime doesn't come until eternity is here. And eternity is what we are guaranteed when we say yes to Jesus. So as bad as life can get right now, one day, it's going to be perfect because we're going to be with him forever. That is the ultimate of our existence. That is what we are ultimately designed for is oneness with Jesus in eternal life. And we're going to get there. Some of us maybe a little sooner or later than others, but we're going to get there. Um, and because of that, life can do whatever it wants to do. And it can present me with whatever negativity it can present me with because that negativity is going to be temporary one way or another. And eventually on the other side of that negativity, oneness with Jesus, the perfection of my existence 
is going to happen. I'm going to experience that. So no matter what, in Jesus, the best is always yet to come. I think that's a great word for us to, to close out on. I, I love your heart behind this book. I love the, the heart behind uh, all of your creativity and, and just, uh, you know, I, I loved talking about uh, creativity with you and everything about this. Uh, I mean, just, yeah, love your heart behind this. It's such a great message. And uh, what you just said there at the end, I think is a great word as well. So Elijah, thanks for, for putting this work out into the world. I know people are going to be blessed by it. And uh, thanks for coming onto the show and sharing, sharing your, your heart with us as well. Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. I've absolutely loved it. This is, this is, this has been awesome. I absolutely loved it. Well, thank you all for tuning in to that conversation with Elijah and thanks for bearing with me during a few of my microphone issues that I had during that episode, but I hope you guys enjoyed hearing from Elijah about his new book, The Jesus Life. You can check out the information on where to purchase that in the show notes. Also, make sure you give him a follow on social media and let him know that you enjoyed hearing him on this show. But I hope you guys have a great week. hope you guys find some time to relax and not be in a hurry. And we'll see you next week.